Hello, everybody. Welcome to According to Christy. I'm so excited. Stay excited because you guys have been so awesome in promoting my show and listening to my episodes, and it just makes me want to do more and more. So today I want to talk about um, this being um, National Domestic Violence Month of the month of October. I wanted to bring on a guest today so she could share her story. I can share parts of my story because I believe sometimes that we all suffer from domestic violence some way, shape, or form, but we never voice it and we never speak on it to anybody. And it's hidden. It's a hidden silence that we suffer in. So today my guest is very special to me because it happens to be my sister. So Gina, welcome to According to Christy. Thank you. So glad to be on here. And thank you so much for bringing awareness to um, the Domestic Violence uh, Month. Uh, Very, very truly touching uh, month for me. And I'm sure there's others out there who are suffering and need to hear what we have to say today. So thank you. Thank you. All right. So I will start with me a little bit. I was the victim of domestic violence. Um, The same person, probably twice, two or three times, actually. I kept going back thinking things were going to change and things did not change. But I guess the turning point for me was the last time when he actually threatened my life. So therefore, (laughs) that made me think, okay, you'll never get back in here again. When he told me that he could slit my throat and... Mm-hmm. that I would bleed out before the police got here um that kind of, that scared me because I do live mm-hmm. in a dead end area and we're off the road so people wouldn't know um it, people would people don't know we're back here so I didn't know how long it would take for ambulance actually to get here because the closest hospital was either Baptist or somewhere in Greensboro so that did scare mm-hmm. me so yeah. from that moment on I I never dealt with him again and I changed the way it changed me as far as my dating life was concerned. So I don't let people come to my house. I, sure. I, I don't do that because I'm just scared of the fact to where we live. And just because if he said that it put a fear in me. So when I do have, when I did start dating again, I never let people come to my house because of that reason. And that's that's my truth into domestic violence and how it changed the way I look at things. So if somebody ever knows where I live and he's a male, he's a lucky ass male because I don't do I just don't bring anybody to my house anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's my story. I know yours is a little bit deeper, so I'll let you. Mine's deeper than that, but that's just the part that I'm going going to share. The fact that it scared me enough to that's when I that's when I changed, and that's when it woke me up. And it's like, okay, I'm never going to deal with this dude again. So I'll let you start and talk about yours, and I'll probably have questions for you as well. But uh, how did you how did you meet your guy? So um, actually, on a work trip, um, I felt like it was love at first sight. Um, I'll never forget the look um you know the camouflage jacket the jeans the tims you know i'm thinking like this is the one right here this is the one uh on the first date that we had and you know um never saw any signs you know just uh graduated from penn state you know i'm like okay i got this black brother he done graduated from penn state you know, um, about to be in the MBA Howard program. So 
I'm thinking, okay, so this is the one. Well, um, some months down the road, um, I realized he wasn't the one. Um, actually, it happens to be my daughter's dad. And the first time he actually hit me was when I was pregnant and in the car. And I called his mom up and I was like, look, your, your son just laid hands on me. And the first few words that his mom said was to get out of the situation. Like, don't move, because I was actually moving from North Carolina to DC. And she told me not to move. But for me, I had already had everything in place. I was ready to move, ready to make the relationship work. And if people ever say, oh, this is not gonna happen to me. Um, I can't believe this happened to you. It will happen. It will happen and your mindset will change toward that person. And then that's when the controlling hits. But why, you know? I have a question. That, well, why, mm -hmm. why didn't you listen to his mom when she said, get out? I think because at the time I was pregnant. So I was more like focused on having a family again because it had been years since I last dated like like right. really dated really got in like with a, a a really true relationship and I guess the baby kind of brought me like a little bit closer to him because now just, we've got a child in common plus he the, the um, first kid yeah and this is his first kid his mom's first grandkid so the family's first you know child in the family really um but after his mom said that I was like well you know I've already got a transfer in place like I'm moving like and he was so pushing for me to do this and the apology felt so sincere after you know he had hit me it was like okay um maybe he is sorry because it was starting like he was crying. He was an emotional wreck after he did it, you know? And so um, after that point, I was like, okay, so maybe we're good. And I ended up getting the transfer, had the baby and everything. And that's when things kind of went downhill even more besides the disrespect over the phone. Um, because between that time, I think he was going overseas before I even got there. So he wasn't even there for the pregnancy. But it was over the phone, it started to be a lot of disrespect. Verbally. You know, after that, verbally abuse, verbally abusive. And, um, and of course, the controlling um, and the intimidations. But once he came back, then it started to become more physical. And then that's when I was like, okay, I have got myself in some shit. And because I wasn't with him for as long, um, I wasn't as attached to him as you would have thought I was, but I wasn't attached. Um, I actually was able to eventually get out of the situation um, but there were many, there were many situations that happened throughout that time. The actual last time that kind of woke me up, um, I remember laying in the bed and him coming in and asking for my phone. 
and I'm trying to figure out, he's like, I'm looking for my phone and I need to use yours to call uh, my phone. And so I thought it was kind of odd, but I gave him the phone. I didn't have really nothing to hide except for a few text messages that I had text to a friend, like telling them everything that was happening. Because at that point, I thought my life was going to end like months, probably two months prior to that. I was like, I need to have some kind of evidence just in case this guy takes me out. But what, you know, and, but what was the incident that happened two months before that that made you start thinking, okay, I need to let somebody know what's going on here. What had he done? Um, it was the physical abuse started. So the physical abuse, the pressuring into sex, because at that time, I didn't want to have sex with somebody who was putting his hands on me. So it was him putting his hands on me. And I was like, okay, so. I mean, was it this can't happen. that y'all had or he just came out of the blue and just started? It was, it was different arguments. It was different arguments. It, for one, he was a narcissist. So with that being said, you know, he had some big issues as far as respect with women and just the control, the controlling. But um, yeah, so that's that's one of the big things he had. So and the, he, the first time he put his hands on you, what what actually did he do? Um, punch me in my face, uh, choke me a few times and then of course the pressure with the sex and that so just that, came out of nowhere so the you know it just kept getting worse and worse um but the big incident that happened was in january of 2018 he actually literally choked me um almost choked me out um get busted my lip and i thought i thought that my life was going to end that night and i got up and i was first i don't know how but i was able to get out of the house and run and it just so happened the keys happened to be on the way out the door on the counter and i ran to my car in nothing but shorts and a sports bra, no shoes, it was snowing. And I got in my car and I remember him coming out and banging on the window, trying to get me out of the car. And now, he ended up, uh-huh. Had you already had the baby or no? I had already had the baby. Had already had the baby. Um, the baby was actually in the house during this time. So, um, uh, <laughs> he he was just in a rage he was in a a huge rage and i um i was able to lock the doors and just stay in the car and i remember him breaking my phone so there was all the evidence that you know that i had sent to my friend you know saying that this is what was going on however um i had also put a recorder underneath the couch. I slit a hole underneath the couch and I put a recorder in there some weeks back. 
So I still had that as evidence also. And this was and I'm you know, this was just in case something were to happen to me, then I had something there for the police to be like, okay, so we got him, you know. And um, I sat in that car because he eventually went back in the house and I sat in that car and I was sitting and thinking of what I needed to do. And his best friend lived um, a few apartments down. And after sitting in the car for about two or three hours, um, I actually had an old phone in the car that I was able to use. I had, I just so happened to have an old phone. So I was able to, the phone was kind of, not working right but but sort of kind of was and i plugged it in and and it started working and i did not call the police at that moment but i went to the friend's house and um that's where i got help and i eventually called the um police the very next day but that night and mind you the whole entire time he has the baby you know, so almost a whole, you know, a whole, the whole day has went by, you know, up until about 11 o'clock at night. And that's when I had called the police and the police came and they, you know, arrested him because he didn't even say anything. He wouldn't talk to the police at all. And um, I was able to actually go and get my daughter out at the same time in Arlington, Virginia, they have, um, doorways which helps victims get out of domestic violence situations so it's almost like a, a a place that you can go and stay and you know um and they will help you out as far as either getting back on your feet or either just helping you until you can get yourself you know out of the situation okay so um, let, but let's go back to I guess your abuse, I guess, is more the thing because, like, if there's somebody listening that's going through the same kind of abuse that you went through, because, like you said, sometimes it starts out as verbal. Because I know for me, right before he said that, um, he had, we were, I had, he, he laid down to go to sleep or whatever. And I said, Well, I'm going to the grocery store while you're asleep. And when he woke up from his nap, of course, I'd put my groceries already up. He started going through the case. He said, I thought you said you were going to the grocery store. And I was like, well, I did. And he just started going through the cabinets like a maniac. Like, well, I don't know what you bought. Well, first of all, I said I was going to the grocery store. Second of all, why are you going through the cabinets like something crazy? You put groceries up when you come in here. So to me, that was one red flag that something was changing in him. Because why would you get up and do something that stupid? But, you know, he'd never been physically abusive it was always verbal. He had did the physical mm -hmm. thing was one time and the crazy part that was the one time I was on my job. So now that job that I used to work at had got the key swipes because of him, because of him coming to attack mm -hmm. me on my job, my job got key swipes. And did I tell my family? No, my family probably, my family has no idea that I went through that. Mm -hmm. No, they, they had no idea. Did I tell anybody? I don't even know. I probably told probably one of my best friends at the time, but as far as telling my family, no, I didn't tell my family that he did that. I mean, cause even when we dated years prior to that, I had to barricade myself in a room because he had a pair of scissors trying to go after me. 
and I had to barricade. I had to barricade myself in a room because he was really good trying to go after me with scissors. And so that had happened like maybe ten years before that. And so for him to come back ten years later and be the same, lure me kind of the same way, but do the same, but start out a different way. It's like it's a mask of who you really are, and the and the abusiveness that's really inside of you. It was kind of a mask. Now, his mom didn't say anything. His mom never, I don't know if his mom knew he was abusive like that. I don't know if he'd ever been abusive to any other girlfriends, but she never said anything. Because if his mom, if his mom would have said, get out of it, not a good relationship, I probably would have done it because I loved his mom like that. But the fact that he, that, that I didn't say anything and she knew, she knew because he'd spit on me and I told her. So mm. she, she knew, but she never said anything. So, you know, just for him to be that way still 10 years later, nothing changed and he needed some help. But just for the things that he did, I mean, because he lived with me. So for, I mean, he lived with me. So that was kind of, that was kind of like, wow, you're really this crazy. You really haven't changed. And this, this, this is really a sickness that you really need help with as far as abusiveness is, because this is who you are. And I just, you know, it's just the red flags that you could kind of see, but I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't anything trigger. I don't know what triggered them. It wasn't arguments or anything. I, I don't know what it was that just triggered him to be that way. So I guess my thing for you is did, did you see red flags when, after, after he started being the verbal abusive, did, I mean, what was he saying verbally like that was abusive? Because I mean, some of the things are, just the word that you that you speak. I mean, when you tell me you're gonna kill me, and that's the first time you ever said that, that's all you gotta say to me, because mm -hmm. you you ain't about to kill me, and I'm not gonna go to you know I have I have kids to think about, and I don't want to die at at your hands when I know mm -hmm. I can prevent it. Just get the restraining order and your ass to get away from me. That's what I'm that's what I'm about. But you know the other things I kind of took took I took seriously, but that one is the one that scared me the most because you really threatened my life this time. So did he, when he was being verbally abusive, did he ever threaten your life when he was being verbally abusive? He was just being. Oh yeah. Okay. So. What oh yeah. He, he threatened, he threatened me several times. I mean, he threatened me on the text messages, the phone that he broke, it actually had like a, a verbal, like I'm going to kill you, you know, on there, you know? So he actually, yes, he threatened to kill me several times and the insults. It was the insults for me also. And, um, and it wasn't just aggressive, like with me, but it was with other people too. So, and I'm talking about like aggressive with debates and stuff, very argumentative all the time. It was like a, a argument for him was almost like war. So for me to say anything back, like it was kind of like on the danger line like for me to say anything, you know, and it was almost like him downing a child, like talking to me like I'm a, I'm a child. But, um, it, you know, I've, I've come to find that real abusers are those obviously who hit. And that, that was his go-to, you know, that was his go-to is the intimidation, you know, was to hit when he was angry, you know, even if it was just punching a door or just, or being physically aggressive, you know, 
And um, that was scary. Had he that, said, those were the scary. Has he had he showed you any of the phys- any of the like hitting stuff before before you got pregnant or before y'all? No, were, just when I was pregnant. Just when he was pregnant. Just when I was pregnant. When I was pregnant, he hit me that one time in the car, and that was it. And of course, I really did not. I might have saw him two other appointments, but uh, when I went up there for a doctor's appointment before I had the baby, I might have saw him one other time. And then after that, I didn't see him for a few months. But when I was talking to him on the phone, it was still, you know, verbal abuse on the phone. So uh, once he got back, th- that's when the physical started. You know, that's when the physical really started. You know, and and he was able to actually, you know, uh, paint a good image of himself in public. So where his friends couldn't tell the type of person that he was, you know, and I, and I think, I feel like I knew more of his friends than he knew of mine, you know, and a lot of his friends, you know, thought that he was a great guy. However, I'm sure some of them had some kind of thoughts because every debate that they got into it with him, it was like, oh gosh, you know. He's he's kind of not necessarily getting upset, but it's like a war. It's back and forth, back and forth, you know, but they were used to that, I guess. And that was the type of person that they used to, that they're, they're around all the time with him. But with me, they just didn't see what he did behind closed doors with me. And that was the physical. Even the, even the best friend's house that I went over to, you know, to get help, like they wouldn't have thought that and actually come to find out when the police got there they were they actually named one of the persons that he had been in an abusive situation with and she actually pressed charges she didn't press charges but she got a restraining order she didn't press the charges and when they said that name the best friend and his wife knew exactly who they were talking about i didn't Cause this happened, you know, a long time ago and a long time ago, he also had criminal record. He had other things going on. So with that being said, you know, for those that's listening, you know, background checks, <laughs> do them, get a background check on some of these guys, you know, especially if you're trying to go into a serious relationship, that's the first thing you need to do because, I felt like I haven't, I hadn't been in the dating game for a minute. So, and I'm talking about like six, seven years, you know, like really having a relationship. And, um, and that's one of the things that I wish I would have done in the beginning. So I wouldn't have been so far into this situation that I was in, you know, and as far as like coming, becoming somewhat attached in the beginning, because I can't say when the physical happened, I was still attached. I I really wasn't. Um, but yeah, so I I feel like everyone out there needs to know of warning signs. You know, the early warning signs that you get, obviously, it's disrespect. If they're disrespectful, that's the situation. You know, the jealous behaviors is another warning sign, the controlling. 
Um, and, uh, and he also liked to do the blame game also, like blaming me for things that happened. I remember we got um, pulled over because uh, by the police because of a glass shield that was um, cracked. And he he's always had a problem with the police and he was angry and upset because we were stopped obviously with the police. And eventually he gets out of the car and he goes inside. And after the whole thing is over, you know, he blames me for us getting stopped, you know, and that was like, okay, that's another sign. <laughs> He's blaming me for things that he knows is not my fault. So that was uh, another situation. And then the intimidation, him being angry, you know, restraining me down. I read somewhere that if a, a um, if your abuser can choke you out, then they can kill you. Yeah, I would say. Which, I mean, which, which he's done. Which he's done, and that's when I knew that it was really, really serious. When he started the choking me like he was literally going to kill me. And that had been not one or two or three times, but like four different times. But then you're like, okay, so how do I get out of the situation? But were y'all living together then, Dave? We were living together. We were living together. Had you already had the baby? Had already had the baby. Already had the baby. And um, like I said, that was when he came back um, from from overseas. And it was um, it was very scary. But I I want to um, describe him as like a a Rambo because he was very very aggressive, very aggressive psychopath okay. psychopath so so my question to you i didn't reach out because i just handled things so the crazy part about your situation was because i'm such a spiritual type person and i feel things from people i always felt like there was something wrong in your relationship and i never told you that i felt like there was something wrong because when Jasmine had came up to stay with you, I told her, I said, something's wrong up there and I, I need to know, I need to kind of know what it is mm-hmm. because I'd felt that. And my thing for you is I just don't know. And I, I don't know why you didn't tell me and I didn't know why you didn't reach out because I don't, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't know the guy, but I just knew something was wrong. I didn't know to the extent of something was wrong. But I knew something was wrong. So I guess my question was, why did you never reach out to like me? You know, I'm a judgment-free person. I would have came and got you in the middle of the night, whatever night, the baby, to anything, any kind of escape route, I would have did. So why didn't you reach out to anybody? I'd say in your family, but I, I know that's kind of limited. But because we, I mean, we did have family members that lived up there. And I know I'm a private person. I don't like everybody in my business. But for things that are very, 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 I guess, to me, important or scary to to that extent that you were in, why didn't you just say something? Well, I felt embarrassed to reveal his mistreatment. Mm -hmm. 
in telling, you know, any of my family, you know, it was like I had told them so many great things about them. And it was like, okay, now I'm embarrassed because I've got myself in this situation, but I want my family to think that everything's okay because this is how it started out. It started out okay. And it started out like it was a pre-painted picture. Right. And also, you know, nobody else knew this, but I was pregnant again. So in the summer of 2018, I went back and, you know, I was going back and forth to DC, still trying to make it work because of that. Now, did he know I was pregnant? No, he did not. He did not, but I wanted to see if it was going to work out, if I could still work it out before I would ever tell him any of that. And it's almost like he, he knew, he kept on asking me, are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? And I was like, no, no, I'm not. And then I remember we went, I went, we went to New York. I went to New York and I said, okay, let me give him one last chance because at this time, you know, I was going up there for NSA too, for some meetings. And, um, that last, I went to New York. I was like, let's see if this is going to work out. And I'll never forget, we were um, uh, near one of the, the famous bridges in New York. And I think that's where they get married, you know, and um, we were sitting there. And he got upset because the middle name of our daughter was a middle name that he didn't agree with basically. And it was on a birth certificate, like there was no way it was going to be changed, you know, but he was upset over that. And I'll never forget sitting there and he had people walking past like, what should I do? Because he was going crazy, like disrespecting me so bad, telling me how he bought the clothes that I had on and he'd tear them off right here, right there. And I'll never forget one of the guys standing and he, he had his phone and I don't know if he called anybody or not. I mean, nobody ever showed up, but for at least 45 minutes, he was just sitting and downgrading me and just, and just saying all kinds of disrespectful stuff and threatening to hit me right there and asking me, kept asking me over and over, why did you not name her this or I mean it was just over and over like different questions it was almost questions to where I was hesitant in answering because I didn't know if that was the right answer that he wanted to hear you know and so eventually I was able to get out of that situation and say I had to use the bathroom so we walked you know to use the bathroom and when I got into the restaurant, there was a line and I stood there for a minute and I'm thinking like, maybe there's a way I can go out of the restaurant, some other, you know, door, maybe there's another door. Well, when I got out of that bathroom, he was literally standing right there, like waiting. And I, and, and it's so crazy because when we got back to the hotel, I mean, to our place, um, the Airbnb place, I actually had called one of my friends and I told him, I said, Hey, are you at home? You know, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here in New York and 
that was going to be my way out was to go with him because once we got back to the Airbnb, he had threatened to just leave. And I remember us having the money that his mom gave him, gave us. So he wanted all the money back. And obviously I didn't give him all of it, but um, I had actually called my friend. And then later on, when things had calmed down, I called my friend back and said, well, uh, something came up. I'm just going to, I'll have to catch up with you next time, you know? And um, he, after that trip, it was like, I'm done. I'm definitely done. I'm not, I'm not coming back, you know? And I, and as I said, yes, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm going to come back and I'm going to help you move to Philly. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't going to come back. And then the last time that he kissed his child was 2018, you know, and when I said that I was done, I wasn't done, done, but I was done seeing him. Now, when it came to the phone, I really didn't want to pick up the phone, but everything thereafter was for, you know, my kids. That was it. Everything thereafter was for the kids. And so I, um, I still picked up the phone thereafter. And I could tell that he wasn't going to change. And even though he said that, you know, um, a year later, because he only called maybe once the next year. Um, and also, I didn't tell like, you know, what the uh, disciplinary actions for him was, but he did uh, go to jail for 30 days. So this is what, you know, abusers get. Um, uh, they, they go to jail 30 days. He got 30 days. Well, in Virginia, you only have to ha serve half of the time. So, you know, you serve a day, they take a day. So he only had to serve really 15 days. And then he was on probation for a year. And when he ended up eventually moving to Philly without my help, um, he uh, actually went back to jail again because he wasn't supposed to leave the state of Virginia while on probation. And the, hearing the phone, I have a certain text and a certain ring for him and hearing the ring after three months, it was like I was almost shaking, like scared. So at this time, I'm like trying to get myself together from all the abuse that I've taken from him. And it was, um, it was, it was just, it was more fear, you know? It was a lot of fear. Um, I was very paranoid of being around certain people. I think you had mentioned, you know, it was hard to, you know, go back out and date. So, um, yeah, it was, it was very scary. It was very scary just hearing his, his phone call after that, after those three months. And like I said, it wasn't really attachment. It was just like um, more of me having to eventually get myself together mentally yeah. to get over everything that I had been through. Because now I'm mentally a mess. I'm a mental mess now. You know, back then, 
that year I was a mental mess. Not only did I have that going on, but I was semi pretty much homeless, you know? And I thank you because, you know, I stayed with you and thank God you gave me that push to find something. But at that time, I think you really didn't know everything that was going on. Like I never told anybody that I was pregnant for the second time. You know, that that information never came out. What you mean pregnant? And, um, uh, I was I was pregnant again for the second time after Nigel. So that summer of 2018, that's why I kept going back and forth to D.C. to try to make it work. Oh, you were pregnant again after Nigel. Yes. Oh, so right. that's why I kept going back and forth to D.C. to try to make it work. And then we went on the New York trip and I was like, OK, you're definitely going to get so, something going. So did so, you lose the baby or? Yes. Yes. Because of all I went through. And um, and that was hard. And it even made me even more angry at him, you know. So um, the, the, the things that he put me through, nobody will ever know, you know, the extent of it. It was just, it was just out of this world, you know. And, um, and I eventually told him that, you know, that I was pregnant, which he knew. But of course, up until this day, he'll always say that I and got rid of it. So, but that didn't happen. That didn't happen. So, um, so looking back now, would you have wished you'd have said something sooner to somebody? Um, I wish I would have, but I don't think mentally that I probably would have. Yeah, I know. I know because you know, I mental space. because I don't. You know, I don't put my business out everywhere yeah. like that. I don't yeah. talk about you know things like this on social media struggles. You know, well, it's um, not even about social media. It's just like reaching out to somebody. Like if you'd have reached out to me or somebody in your family, right? I, mean, I feel like I feel like in anything. Yeah, we're all ashamed of what you're going through. And I think that's the biggest thing with domestic violence. People are ashamed because, like you said, you've painted this picture, this this perfect dude, and then you turn around and he turns out to be not so perfect. And then you feel like you're ashamed and you're embarrassed. And you're scared to say, mm -hmm. okay, this, 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 this man is beating on me. And, you know, how do I get out of it? And for me, it wasn't even about, I don't know, he wasn't, he wasn't beating on me. It was just the little crazy shit he would do here and there that kind of marked me. Okay, you're you're a little bit nuts, but I feel like I handled my situation and got out of the situation because I just, you know, I, I just I I couldn't think about you living in my house and me not being able to feel comfortable in my own house and my own space with your ass because you're crazy. So mm -hmm. I guess that was me, and I've always had a strong, strong personality. And I have a strong head, headstrong person. So I'm going to find a way because he told me, he said, you'll never get me out of this house because I have my, my mail comes here. Oh, baby, where there's a will, there's always a way. 
Mm-hmm. And all I had to do, because that morning, all I had to do, I remember getting up. He thought I was going to work. He was going where he was going. And I went, I went to the magistrate's office and I told him what was going on. And they said, we'll have a car. We'll have a car circling your neighborhood for whenever he comes back from where he's going to make sure we get him picked up as soon as possible. Because we're not going, what we're not going to do is think you're going to outsmart Christy when it comes to Christy's health and Christy's well-being. We're not going to do that. Uh-huh. And my mm-hmm. house is something that I built with my with my my money, my blood, sweat, and tears. And I'd be damned if a man's gonna come in here and make me uncomfortable enough to where I can't live here. That's that's the biggest thing for me. So I was like, oh mm-hmm. no, come hell or high water, like that man used to, like Papa Pope said on Olivia on uh the show, come hell or high water. To me, your ass was getting up out of here. I don't care what mm-hmm. had to happen, and that's one of the reasons. So. I guess my thing was, did I, I handled my situation, but as for you, I know it's a mental thing when people um, are, are being abused, but just for the being able to tell somebody, just being scared, because you said you, you told your friend, but I guess I wonder why come you just never told me, because you know I'm not a judgmental person, and I really didn't have no attachments to the dude, no way, because I didn't, I mean, I just mm-hmm. knew what you told me about him, right. but I know there's right. always a period to dudes where they're going to show you what they want you to see and then the real them is going to come out, which, you know, mm-hmm. you still learn that every day, whether he's re- abusive or just a damn liar, period. Right. Whatever he's hiding mm-hmm. is going to come out. So I guess right. just to say why you, I mean, and you can't go back, if you go back and change things, would you Would you have said something sooner? Would you try to get out sooner before you actually got pregnant? Did you, say, did you say he did it before, y'all, before you got pregnant or it wasn't until you got pregnant that the abuse started? After I was pregnant, is until after time it was after but he, I was pregnant. So he was I mean, verbally the person. Yeah, so the person that I told, uh-huh. he wasn't verbally. He abusive. was verbally abusive starting then. So oh, so he not never did that before he got pregnant. Oh, so wow. before I got pregnant, he never did that. So it when you got a, pregnant, started being crazy. Yeah, but before after after I got pregnant is when he started acting crazy. How many months afterwards did you did you get pregnant after you met him? Uh, three months. Three months. Three months. And it, and I and I say that because mm-hmm. this is my life. I live on this 90 day rule thing. <laughs> I do. If anybody knows me, I live on 90 day rule with me and I swear I do. Because I feel like in the first 90 days you know who a person is. You know uh-huh. the glimpses. You know the red flags. You see them. You ignore them. Mm-hmm. You see them. You go away. Whatever you do. But I really feel like a person in the ninety days shows you all the different aspects of them, and they show you you seeing is believing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm mm-hmm. just. I mean, I just hold firm to that ninety day thing. I have never seen it fail me. I have never ever seen that ninety day thing fail. Mm-hmm. What I seen in the first yeah. three months of a person—that's exactly who they were throughout the rest uh-huh. of the time I was with them. And, that, and I, well, go ahead. Uh-huh. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, with with him, <laughs> yeah. So it was three about three months, three months. after yeah. ninety. Yeah, <laughs> right. 
And so he honeymooned, he honeymooned for a minute, and then everything came back out when everything came out when we met again in person because we were still kind of talking on the phone at that during that time. So you really don't get to know a person until you're actually there in front of them and you're there a mm-hmm. pretty good bit and yeah. you're talking to them constantly. Um and there was never any kind of explosions on the phone, like yeah, none of that. I mean, because yeah, know? being and, in a person's mm-hmm. presence is totally different. Like the ninety days, yeah. you got to be like spending time with them uh-huh. days, like yeah, like a lot of time. I mean, even if y'all live in separate mm-hmm. households, separate states, or whatever, being mm-hmm. in the same place with them for three whole months—that's when mm-hmm. you really learn somebody. I mean, yep. I swear to you. Yep. I've always lived by it, and I tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. You see those things in those thirty days, those ninety days, because the first, the first thirty days, honeymoon stages with everybody. You know, you're just bringing out the best yep. in the person, yada yada yada. The second month, you're kind of starting to they keeping it up a little bit, but at the end of that second month, into that third month is when you start actually seeing the person mm-hmm. for who they really mm-hmm. are. And then you have yep. to decide, oh, okay, this is so who this is all you really are. Just the, you'll get into an argument within those 90 days. And if you hadn't, then there's something wrong already. Because everything uh-huh. ain't, ain't roses for no whole three months in no relationship. Mm-hmm. If it is, something's wrong there too. Because, I mean, yep. it's healthy to have arguments. And it's how, I mean, to me, arguments are healthy because what you see how people handle things. You mm-hmm. see if. The, Go off the deep end, or you're gonna see if they're one of the people that just okay. I'm not gonna argue with you. You know, this is it. You see how the resolution happens after an argument. You see all of that in the 90 days. You do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's just you really that's do. Just, that's just my that's just my thinking. I'll have another show about 90 days with somebody else, but that's just you know that's just my thinking about people. And so I guess if he didn't show those things for the first two months, and then you were pregnant in the third month, then that's when maybe it needs to go further than 90 days. But I mean, six months you see everything, but when you're trying to date somebody, like you said, and we haven't been on the scene for a long time, those first two honeymoon stages they're everything. They're everything. Oh, yeah. They're everything. Yeah. I mean, they they've swept you off mm-hmm. your feet and. Got you feeling like, oh my God, this might be the one. I mean, that's that's true. All of that is true. But then you have to still hold tight to that guard of that 90 days, this motherfucker is going to act stupid and something is going to come out. And if yeah. it hadn't happened in 90 days, you got, and you hadn't had a big explosion or you hadn't had an argument or something, then you need to carry it over one month further just to let yourself see. But mm-hmm. I usually it's 90 days, no problem. And I tell my kids that, I tell anybody dating that, it's 90 days, honey. 90 days. 90 days. And I mean, usually mm-hmm. a man, usually when you're dating somebody, they've fallen off in 90 days. Right. Or mm-hmm. they've started acting, they started moving different in the 90 days. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yep. that's just how I feel about it. They've started moving different or whatever. So I guess, so with you being pregnant within those 90 days, that kind of showed you i guess you didn't get to see what it would be like so yeah maybe get yeah Mm -hmm. maybe if you waited that fourth month and then you ended up pregnant then you'd be like "Uh, okay maybe this ain't what i should be doing with your ass Mm -hmm. but you know Mm -hmm. but it's here and there we have beautiful najari out of it but yeah you have the trauma of the relationship out of it and how you move forward from now on you know what i mean that's kind of because yeah, 
Yeah, and I, you know, and moving forward is is what I have to do. I mean, there's no looking back. Um, I still feel right now um, uh, the remorse has never been genuine, you know, from him and uh, from my abuser. And uh, I don't think it really will be for a while because, um, you know, I also wanted to put this in there that, you know, people feel like medication helps psychopaths, uh, medication helps narcissists. Uh, you got to keep in mind, you have to be on medication for years in order for it to even work. Well, you I know? guess so the, him, uh-huh. the, the first thing is an abuser has to know he's an abuser. You right. know Right. There's a, there's a you can medicate somebody all you want to, but the person's not going to take the medication if they don't feel like there's anything wrong with them. If they feel like this is perfect, perfectly acceptable behavior for them to go out. I mean, another podcast, another time, but it's the healing within. There's something inside of mm-hmm. him that's broken, and I think my next podcast about myself is going to be about brokenness. There's something broken mm-hmm. within him that he has to be able to go get counseling and go get fixed for himself. I mean, I feel like medication, but there's also something that he that happened in his life where that broke this breaking broken him down enough to where he feels like this is acceptable behavior. I mean, he yes. needs more than yes. medication. It needs to be a counseling session. And I think more men, and this might happen to women too. I mean, women mm-hmm. women might be abusers too, and I'm sure there are. I never talked to a man that said he's been abused. And if there is one out there that wants to talk about it, I'd love to talk about it. But um I feel like men need therapy to deal with their mm-hmm. brokenness before you start spreading your broken self around. And I mean, abusive. Even, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Abusive relationship is, I mean, it's trying. I think I kind of know where my abusers, um, where his anger came from and it was just misplaced mm-hmm. anger. I feel like it's misplaced mm-hmm. anger for something that, you know, should have already been worked out within him. And, mm-hmm. You know, I just feel like medication's great, but are you going to take that medication every day? The self-healing needs to start first and then right. put medication over top of that if that's what you feel like you need. I'm not a medication and person. See, yeah. And see, with the, I've read with um, the narcissistic uh, personality disorders, it's not treatable. So there you go. It's, it's not treatable. Um, it's is highly resistant to the therapy. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't have, you know, the therapy's not gonna help. It's not gonna help. And then of course with the medication, that's not gonna help. It's not it's, it's not a treatable disorder. It's, it's a mental, mental it's a mental it's a sick. Yeah. The sickness is what it is. And he's been like that for years. Yeah. For years. And I guess people gotta call them out on their shit. If you're gonna be somebody that's gonna call them out on their shit, then mm-hmm. I'm gonna, that that makes things even worse. So I mean, I don't know. It's funny that you say yeah. nar- narcissistic word came up some other day. Uh, the other day I seen it on the post that okay, so I guess all men are now narcissists uh, some in twenty if your relationship ain't working this year, it's because you're with a narcissist. And it's funny because I mean if you start reading the narcissist behaviors and all that bunch of stuff 
Mm-hmm. Hell, I might can I'm, I might can pick some mm-hmm. stuff out of some people. Like, mm, okay, you might be that, but I don't try to label people. You are who you are. But to some to that extreme that you're that abusive, then you need some you need some mental help. You need some mental help. You need to go somewhere and stay locked up for a little bit and get yourself together, my guy. Because that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I mean, so have you, have you, now that you've been through all this yourself, did you go through therapy? Did you have to go through therapy? Okay, guys, I don't know what happened, but we're back. Um, So I was asking you, did you get, did you have to go to therapy? Did you do therapy yourself? And yes, I did do therapy myself. Um, Actually, I just started therapy uh, probably a year ago actually a year ago it'll be in November it'll be a year ago and the only reason why I did it of course to you know heal myself but I'm also very spiritual and I feel like I became more spiritual and more closer to God after the situation that happened and I started doing more readings in the morning to, uh, you know, get myself mentally okay for the day, at least, because I'm taking this thing day by day, you know, to get myself better. Um, but the one of the reasons uh, also why is I did the therapy is because I actually started talking back to her dad on the phone as far as with the daughter that we have, you know, as, as far as trying to get him back into her life. Um, and mind you, I didn't pick up the phone for a good, mm, a year, almost two years prior to last year. So, um, because I wasn't ready and he wasn't ready. And, um, and I could still see that he had some, narcissistic situations going on again, you know? So I did get therapy in order to be able to talk to him, you know? So uh, anything that I went through with him, the conversations that I had with him, I would go to my therapist and I'd be like, well, this is how the day went. This is how the conversation went on the phone because uh, we haven't still met up in person because I feel like he still has some issues going on, you know, that uh, he's he he's not um, well still, you know, and when it comes to your kids, it's like you, you can't even you can't have that around your kids. You know, um, he still he was still very argumentative and I I couldn't deal with that, yeah. you know, I, and I- with FaceTime yeah. out there and phone calls, I keep it on the phone. I mean, yeah. I- so, so we keep it on the phone. You know, he does videos every now and then, and I felt like even, even still, even though he wasn't here in the presence, he was still controlling mm-hmm. because he was still sending me clothes to wear. So. Now that he's sending me clothes and I had to tell him to stop sending the clothes for me, the clothes are for your daughter. However, I'm not going to lie because I wore one of the skirts you know, <laughs> last month. <laughs> but if you look in my closet, 
the majority, that was another way that he controlled me. The majority of the clothes in my closet, he bought. Because you know, he wanted me to dress and, and look a certain and way. And he wanted me to dress and look. And I remember, I'm, I know you got to uh, wrap it up, but I remember I went out with my family. And if my family's listening, they probably know this night. We went out, I went out with my family um, and I had already had my outfit dressed, ready to go. And he said, no, 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 you can't wear that. Now, mind you, he's not going to the dinner. But he dressed me in a hideous outfit. And when I walked in that restaurant with this cowboy hat on and this, the rest of the outfit, I know my family was like, what the hell does she have on? But why did you do that? I was even saying. Huh? Why did you put it on, though? I put it on because if I would have took it off, then we would have had a situation. Oh. You know? So I didn't want to bring that situation on because the day was actually going good that day to where I didn't have any issues and you know of course the whole time I walked on eggshells every time that I came in the house but that day it was an okay day you know and actually I really don't think that the physical abuse had really started yet but it was more of the verbal you know that kind of put fear in me um but back to the therapy yes so I I actually, um, during COVID, of course, they wasn't doing too many in-person ther therapy sessions. So I ended up finding a really good therapist um, out of Philly. And we did Zoom. And I'd tell him how the conversation went. And he'd give me an idea of what I should do or what I should say. Um, but it it was okay. But I felt like it was good. It was good but I still needed to heal myself. Yeah, I needed to do it myself, you know, and that took sitting down, reading every day. I mean, if you know me, know me. I don't show what I'm probably going through. You know, I'm, I'm the pretty much happiest person, a person with a good sense of humor. You would never really know, you know, what I'm going through because I cover it up so well. Oh, I'm the same one. I'm the yeah. exact same way. Uh huh. But I feel like you know that I'm getting better and better by the day. You know that that um, recorder that I had underneath the couch, I took that out, and in order for me during the time that summer that I found out I was pregnant, I was trying to heal myself with the recorder, and that recorder would give me uh, a thought of not going back. Every time I listen to it, don't go, don't go back. Yeah, but I it was it was almost like I was trying to heal with it, but then it was like no 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 I'm not you know. So I actually was going to sleep with that recorder, you know, and and I feel like after I realized that I was not going back after I said I'm not going back I'm done, then I still listened to that recorder. And the only reason I listened to it, it wasn't to get back with him. It was more of what should I do for my daughter? Or, you know, should I, I can't go back to this. I'm listening to this recorder. I can't put my daughter in this situation. Right. You no, know, I, I can't do it. So that, that recorder, it somewhat helped me out along the way as far as helping me to heal um, as I got further down the road and 
Um, and I still have that recorder, you know, I mean, I don't, obviously I don't listen to it like I was listening to it before, you know, it's just there, but, um, but yeah, the, the therapy was okay. Um, I, I still probably check in, I check in with them probably every like three months because you have to understand, like, I didn't have an attachment because I wasn't with this guy for years and years. So the attachment wasn't like I, you know, I was like super in love with this guy. I've been with this guy for years. No, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. So the, the therapy, I really feel like that I didn't need the therapy as much, you know, um, I, I felt like I just need to heal me on my own too. And, you know, and also another part was for, to forgive you know, and I felt like, you know, the forgiving part was a big thing also, you know, and um, I had, I had read in one of my uh, uh, readings one morning that uh, refusing to give is like, you know, drinking poisoning and, and hoping that it kills that person, you know, that you're not wanting to forgive, you know, and then, um, and then for me, myself, then I'm bitter, you know, I'm bitter the whole time Yeah. while I'm going on with my life. Now I'm bitter, you know, I'm drinking the poison, not him, <laughs> you know, so the forgiveness part is really hard and I don't have to be on the phone and say, Hey, dude, I forgive you. No, that's no. between me and God. Right. That's between me and God. He knows. He knows whether I've forgiven you or not. He knows. You know, and it's still, you know, it's still I I mean, the reading that I had was just in May. So I'm I'm starting to forgive just recently, you know, May, June, because I was full of anger. I was full of anger because it's like, you know, we think it's it's unfair, you know, for for me to forgive him and then they just have no kind of punishment. You know, that's oh, unfair. Yeah. Oh yeah. But then what you got to do, you know, and it's like why should why should I have the pain while he gets the freedom? You right. know? And and the truth is is that when by doing the forgiving, we we've got to God. So if if give him God's way of doing what he's gonna do. So just let him handle it. You know. So, and, and, and that's one of the, um, that's one of my, uh, readings that I had back in May and that kind of, you know, really opened, opened my eyes more to forgiving, you know, and not being so angry because that's just, that's just not me to hold grudges and be so angry at people like that. It's just not, but this situation was different and it took a toll on me and, you know, it, it took a while for me to get over it, you know, as far as being able to forgive him. So, so Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm happier and I feel better physically, you know, and 
you know, life happens, you know, and there's some things like, for instance, you know, the NSA um, going through that process, that was a blessing. And, you know, if, if everything happened all over again, it probably ended up turning out the same way. <laughs> I'm that's, not even going to lie to you. That's what I you say, know? you know, about relationships. They might have not worked out the way you wanted them to. I wish yours hadn't have been abusive, but I always have to find the beauty in a relationship. Because like, oh, yeah. like you said, we as women hold on to the bitterness because we give so much of ourselves in relationships and we and we love so hard that it makes you turn bitter when somebody's done you wrong. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. you have to find the beauty in the relationship. So mm -hmm. from any relationship, hopefully you gain more strength. You mm -hmm. get more um, out of your relationship, you gained a beautiful daughter, bossy as she is. Uh -huh. She's beautiful. She's been a <laughs> lot. She's, she's been everything that all of us didn't know we needed because she's, she's right. Crip. But, you know, for yourself, Hopefully you've gained strength. Hopefully you've gained mental strength more than anything mm -hmm. to say, I'm never going to let this happen to me again. Right. I'm going to see the flags at the beginning. Right. And I'm going to be able to be more aware of them now that I've been through this. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what, that's kind of the beauty in a relationship. If you didn't, to me, a relationship is only bad when you didn't mm -hmm. learn something about, something about yourself. Yeah. Because yes. there's always a lesson to be learned in anything. And if you closed your mind and you're like, well, that relationship, I ain't learned nothing from that relationship. Mm -hmm. You Then you really missed out on the relationship. Right. Because right. everybody, I feel like everything, every time, everybody in your life has a place. Oh, and yeah. It's for, you might not see it at the time, but it was actually for your good or to help you out of something that you didn't know you needed out mm -hmm. of. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that to me, hopefully, was mental. that is so true. Yeah, that mm -hmm. to me, hopefully, was mental, mental, mental healthness for you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And just that and strength to to realize, you know, in the future, I need to realize these certain things, and also mm -hmm. hopefully that you learn that you know you can't. It's okay to reach out because, like you said, yeah. embar and being embarrassed. I mean, we oh, all yeah. do things. Oh yeah. Just, oh yeah. Yeah, just just the embarrassment or whatever that hopefully you know now that you know I can reach out and I don't have to be embarrassed because it's not just happening to me, it's happening to other women out here. Even if somebody's listening, if it's happening to you, please don't ever feel embarrassed. I mean, mm -hmm. hell, if you want to tell somebody, you can tell me. You can tell me. I'm not mm -hmm. a person that shares people's business because I'm very private with my own. So I don't feel mm -hmm. like sharing anybody else's business. I keep stuff to mm -hmm. myself because I mean, that's their story to tell. And hopefully yeah. this outlet for everybody to be able to come on the show and be able to tell things. And I'm hopefully opening up by telling my own stories. I'm opening up things that people thought that they didn't want to share or that they needed to get off their chest. And now they can share it because they hear, mm -hmm. hey, this just not me. You're never alone in the world going through anything. Somebody's right. been where you are or somebody's going to be where you are. Or somebody's going, mm -hmm. somebody's in that situation right now. So I feel like that's another reason why I wanted to do the podcast because I know I'm not the only one that's been through these things. I know I'm not the only one that's going to go through these through these things because my grandmom told me that when I got pregnant with Brandon, he she said you ain't the first and you won't be the last, and that's what she said. <laughs> that's what she said, and so that's how I look at life. I'm not the first to go through this. I won't be the last to, but if I can help somebody along the way. That's the beauty in who I feel like I am. I'm willing to help anybody and everybody in their situations 
or just offer a word of advice. But, you know, I did that too. So hopefully, you know, somebody got something out of this to talking with you and you share the story and listen to us go back and forth. Hopefully this helps somebody or this said, you know, let somebody know it's okay that I went through this. Now it's time for me to pick up myself and move on. So thank you very much for being my first remote guest, sister. And thank you for sharing your story. And guys, mm-hmm. thank you for listening. All right. Like I said, thank hopefully, you. Like I said, hopefully this helps somebody out. And my next podcast will probably be with somebody with breast cancer since it's still breast cancer awareness month. I wanted to try to get one more interview in this month. But thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Janie. Have anything else to say before Bye. I sign off? All right. No. Thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for listening to Cordon to Christy. Bye-bye.